This is a CBC Podcast. Hey, I'm AC Rowe, and this is the final episode of The Doc Project. Throughout the summer, we brought you some of our favorite episodes since the show began. And the story you're about to hear first aired back in March of 2018. And it starts with a question. Do you know your neighbors? And if you do, why? And if you don't, why not? Is it something about the way your neighborhood is? Or something about the way you are? Doc Project regular contributor Tom Howell, who you might also recognize from ideas, he's the British guy, Tom does not know his neighbors. Which is actually pretty surprising because he lives on a quiet, very neighborhoody street and has been in his home for over a decade. But a few years ago, Tom decided, for reasons that I will let him explain in a second, that he was going to get to know his neighbors even if he had to be super awkward. Okay, here's Tom Howell. The usual time for getting to know your neighbors is, I think, pretty soon after you've moved into a new neighborhood. But I waited until I'd lived in the same house for 15 years and was getting ready to leave. This year, my girlfriend and I plan to move in together. We just don't know which city we're moving into. I live in East York, a sort of cookie-cutter suburb that's been swallowed into the megacity of Toronto, or Megasty, as some say. She lives in Montreal, where everything's beautiful and there's French cafes and public squares and fountains on every corner. So the argument for Montreal is looking pretty good. Still, 15 years is longer than I've ever lived in one place, so I guess I've been feeling a bit sentimental about leaving this little suburban street. Which probably explains why, one day in January, I was walking by a neighbor who I'd never met, and he was shoveling snow from his driveway. And I was seized by a fit of unnatural friendliness, and I told him that his snow shoveling was a work of art. It's a weird thing to say, but it didn't matter. We got talking, and he said his name's Mike, I said my name's Tom, and I told him I was thinking of moving away, and he said, a bit defensively, This is a good street. Oh yeah, what makes it a good street? I asked. I mean, it's just identical, semi-detached houses like all the other streets around here. And Mike said, well, it's the neighbours. They help each other. I didn't say this out loud, but I was thinking, you know, that's very nice, Mike, but it's not really as good as a fountain, is it? And besides, it stung a bit because I'm a neighbour and I've never helped anybody. But then Mike started telling me about all the delightful older people who also live on the street and have lived here for decades, and how he was chatting with some of them at the New Year's Eve party. What New Year's Eve party is this? I asked. And he said, oh, it's just a party. It was on New Year's Eve for some of the neighbors. Nick organized it. And this is when I realized two things. First, my neighbors apparently know each other and help each other and have parties together. And second, I'm not invited. Perhaps I've been ignoring my neighbours a bit too much. It occurs to me that before I go searching for beauty in far-off lands, it might be worth just checking if there's a pile of treasure here at my doorstep. So I decide to find out who has been sharing the street with me all this time and what else we might have in common. Now there's an urgency to this because my girlfriend and I have set a deadline for deciding where we're going to live, the end of March. 
This means I don't have time to meet my neighbors in any subtle or natural way. Instead, I'm going to have to become the nosiest person on the street. It'll involve breaking some social codes. Although, if I'm about to leave anyway, I guess it doesn't really matter. This street is quite short, just 53 addresses in total. So I make a diagram of it, and I begin to write down all the people I can name. Which doesn't take long. I only name five. Oh, plus Mike. Six. So then I start knocking on doors to find out more names. And the first person who answers her door is Anne-Marie. Are you going out now? I was, but come in. Hey, Rocket, no. Hi, Rocket. Uh, ah, 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 you'll jump. Ah, Rocket. <laughs> I challenge Anne-Marie to beat my score. Debbie? Um, there's another Debbie, too, in that side, but up for Steve and Helen are here next to Anne. This is the house that was just sold. I don't know this young couple that moved in here. Oh, Angel and Nick. Pretty soon, Anne-Marie has beaten my score, and she's named 20 people on the street. And her dog is getting quite excited about this. You didn't expect this dog in the background. How old is Rocket now? A year and a half. What breed is he? He's Nova Scotia Duck Toller. Oh, yeah. that kind of Duck Toller. Yeah, he's a hunter. Oh, I just remembered. There's a, the lady that's the longest is over here. Her name's Cheryl. Wh which she house? She was born in that house. She's across from Laura. I know that. Somewhere in there. Mm. She must be 70. So you got 22 points. That's basically half That's the street. Not bad. That's not bad. That's great. So are you going to introduce me to I'll Cheryl? I'll introduce you to Cheryl. Yeah. Yeah. That'd Let's be great. Let's go down. Let's go down. Okay. She's usually home. Anne-Marie takes me down to meet Cheryl, the street's longest residing resident. And as we go, I'm looking around and I start to think, what would it really take to make this place as nice as Montreal? And it occurs to me that this process of meeting all my neighbors could in fact be the first step to making some real changes around here. okay today to do this. I don't imagine we could afford to make East York look exactly like Montreal. They've got a new railing. But surely we could make a start and see how far we get, even if it's just one fountain to begin with. Where's her car? Oh, her car's there. So this is what I'm thinking about when Anne-Marie introduces me to Cheryl. Oh, don't tell her my name. Don't tell her your name? We'll find out if she knows. Your name? Yeah. She probably doesn't. <laughs> I'm thinking. It's me. Hi, Anne-Marie. Hi, how are you doing? Fine, thanks. How are you doing, dear? This is Cheryl. Do you know this guy from up the street? Being part? Do you know this guy? No. I've lived here for uh, 15 years. And he wanted to find out how long you've been on the street. 72 years. 72? I told you. Okay. Would you mind trying to help me find out everyone's name on the street? Sure. I do you have a second? Yeah. Do you mind if he comes in? Or? Come on in. I could do a few, Cheryl, but I couldn't do many of them, so <laughs> maybe you can fill in the blanks. Um, should I... Can I go? Or? Yeah, you can go. Yeah. Okay. Thanks, Emery. So, Cheryl, I'm just on my way to the bank, Thank and I you. ran into Tom, so I thought I'd bring him down. Bye, guys. Nice to meet you, by the way. And what's your name? Tom. Hi, Tom. Nice meeting you. Cheryl Humphreys, and I've lived here for 72 years. This was my grandmother's home. Yeah. So she would have uh, bought it when it was built? Bought it in 1930. 
They were the first tenants. It was my grandmother and my mother. Did you ever think about moving away? No. This is home. <laughs> <laughs> what do you like about living here? It's home, and the neighbors are so good. Yeah, they help one another on our street. A lot of streets, they don't even know their neighbors. Uh, yeah, like me. <laughs> yeah. On this side would be Richard and Debbie, and beside them is Rhonda. And beside Rhonda is John and Donna Sakamoto. And John used to be uh, the jazz critic for the Toronto Star. Really? Yeah. Cool. Cheryl fills in another 20 names or so, and then we get down to business. Did you get invited to this New Year's Eve party? Yes, I did. And I was sick, so I couldn't come. Ah. Yeah, oh, well, did you go? I, I wasn't invited. I guess I'm not friendly enough. Oh, that's fine. Has it ever occurred to you it might be nice to have a fountain on the street? No. You don't want a fountain? Uh, no, because the children would get into it and you'd have a problem. They would love it. The children would love a fountain. You're not taken with the romance of this? It would be so pretty. No, because um, a couple of years ago we even had a shooting at the bottom of the street and we had children going up and down, coming home from school. A, sh a shooting? A shooting. What's that got to do with a fountain? No, I mean, we have to look at, if you have a, a fountain, you're liable for it. Who's going to be liable for it? What, what, the fountain doesn't hurt anyone, it's just water. Yeah, yeah. Children can drown. Oh, drowning, yeah. Cheryl is so concerned about my idea that she follows me out onto her porch as I leave. <laughs> Are you getting anybody saying yes to your project? Uh, to the fountain? Yeah. Well, I, you're the first person I asked. It just occurred to me. <laughs> if people have, who smoke, will they put their butts in? Who's going to clean it out? I don't know. I just want a pretty fountain. <laughs> <laughs> no. After a promising start, I seem to have alienated Cheryl. And as I go knocking on other doors, I find that getting to know my neighbors is a mixed experience. On the plus side, they're all polite to me once they realize I'm not selling them something, although a few aren't very keen on playing how many neighbors can you name with me. And I learn some fun things, like one of my lovely polite neighbors refers to another of my lovely polite neighbors as for brains. I learned that on my street, a person without children can usually name between five and 15 other neighbors. People with kids can name between 15 and 25. I don't have kids, so I think a normal sociable number for me would be 10, which is twice what I had until now. I also learn which house people refer to as the drug dealer, although no one can tell me what he's selling exactly. And when I go to play my game with him, the drug dealer doesn't answer his door. Also, I unearth some areas of conflict involving me. And then we know Everton and uh, Sonia. Sam and Nazreen, Nick and Tula. These neighbours are Nick and Angel, and they're the hosts of the neighbourhood New Year's Eve party that I learned about from Mike. But I'm not sure I'll get invited to the next one either. It turns out we have some disagreements, both political and aesthetic. There's warning signs at this end of the street to say it's a one-way street. The amount of cars that come the wrong way down the street yeah. is amazing, to be honest. Any objection to bicycles going down the wrong way? Absolutely. It's just as dangerous. We've almost had kids hit by bikes who go the wrong way. <laughs> okay, so when I come out of my house on my bike, I yeah, should go the other way. You should. 
You should. You should be. You should follow the laws of, uh, you know, driving on the road. I don't think I'm going to. Sorry. <laughs> I'm not going to hit any children, but. Uh, but the okay. kids look the wrong. They look the opposite direction, right? So they're not looking if someone's going the other way, right? Yeah. So I could ride my bike right into someone. It's it's ha- it's almost happened, right? Mm. It has happened. Hmm. Uh, how about a fountain? No. Really. <laughs> Have you seen the Trevi Fountain in Rome? I have. have. I've been uh, there. I, 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 I I've been think. there. What would we do the Trevi Fountain yeah. on Bonnie? Do anything with it. You just where look at you, it. Where would yeah. you put it? Yeah. The uh, front yards just are not big enough for the Trevi Fountain. <laughs> what about at the end by the big building here? Or cobble it? Oh, no. I've never had a desire for a fountain. <laughs> I'm sad to report that none of my neighbours wants to make our street look more like Montreal. What they mostly want are big, ugly signs telling people not to run over their children. I guess we just have different priorities. That disappointment was the worst thing about becoming a nosy neighbour. But the best thing was when I learned fascinating details about people's lives and their livelihoods. Built for life in Canada. It was like that kind of thing. This is Catherine. She's actually my next-door neighbour. Our houses share a wall. I already knew that Catherine was a successful singer, but I didn't realise how else she makes her living. She lends her voice to commercials. I bought my house with a combination of Built for Life in Canada Ford campaign, and then that combined with Sarah McLaughlin, a live uh, tour, world tour with her. She's also done Tim Hortons. Everybody's done Tim Hortons. (laughs) Is that the new slogan? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Haven't we all done Tim Hortons? Yes, you've always got time for Tim Hortons. Oh, I recognize you again. Sure you do. So there's one thing in particular I've always wanted to ask Catherine. It's about me. Tell me about what you can hear through the wall. I hear piano playing sometimes and I can hear some sneezes I can hear walking up and down the stairs I know the sound of your front door opening and closing I know the sound of the post person dropping off mail at my house and then not going up your path but sneaking through the hedge the occasional laugh but you really, you're rather quiet. And none of those noises bother me. I'm not just saying that. Really? No. Do you, you hear me singing? I hear you singing. I hear, oh, television in the room upstairs. Should I turn that down? That's probably loud. I mean. Sorry. <laughs> you can let me know. I hear a fair amount of interaction between you guys. Um, I, I heard you do. <laughs> the uh, birth of your first child. You heard the birth of my first child. At least I believe that's what was going on. Oh, God, that is crazy. I tried to have the baby at home. For Interesting. Like 20 hours or something. <gasps> oh, my God, Tom, I never knew you heard that. Yeah. Of course you heard that. Why wouldn't you? I know. I should, I, did I warn you in advance? I never I mean, told you. I should have said I'm going to try for a home birth. It's a long time ago. I could tell ago. it was coming. Um, Sorry. <laughs> uh, but then after, at a certain point, I think when dawn broke and you were still yelling, I played um, oh the Mockingbird song on, you know, I thought it was a suitable song. <laughs> you played cheesy. that on the piano? I played it very gently on the piano, knowing that you might hear it and it would soothe you. <laughs> I guess it didn't work. Thank you. That's beautiful. I, did, I never knew. Oh, yeah, I never thought of that. Wow. We've never talked about that.
Is this a good street? I like that it's small. It's just a little one way that runs a block. So it's manageable and a little bit intimate. And I like the neighborliness of it. And tell me about the neighborliness. I have benefited from living on a street where I know enough neighbors that if I need help, someone will help me. You know, 25 or so neighbors. That's true. I wouldn't necessarily knock on every single door, but I could knock on a fair number of doors and have done over the past 12 years that I've lived here. What kind of help? Sometimes just regular, like, do you have an egg? I'm out of milk. You really ask that? Oh, yeah. Yeah, because, I mean, I'm by myself with two kids, and I can't just run out to the store whenever I need something. So sometimes I will return the eggs the next day or the milk the next day. And then other times it's been more dramatic. Like there, there was one time where my daughter was having croup and needed to go to the hospital. My son was sleeping, and I don't have a car. And Anyway, long story short, the lady over here, I could call her in the middle of the night and ask her to come over and just lay on my couch while let my son sleep while I took my daughter over to the hospital, right? That's really close to here and get her sorted out. And I came back and my son never even woke up. He didn't even know I was gone, but there was someone that could come in in the middle of the night and watch. Childcare. I see that as being a reason to know your neighbors. I said earlier, I don't help my neighbors, but Catherine reminds me I did help her once last year. And she even still has the text messages to prove it. Friday, September 8th, 12.27 a.m. Tom, you're probably asleep. This is insane, but I am trapped in my show dress and can't get out of it. And I need somebody to unzip me. Yes. <laughs> to unzip me. And you did. <laughs> and which I we wait. did in the driveway. Uh-huh. I, was, I was in my front hall trapped in my show dress. I had just mm-hmm. sung that Patsy Cline show that we do every year at Lula Lounge, and I was trapped in my dress. It was a yellow a yellow dress, beautiful 40s fitted dress, and I was so trapped. Very fitted. Very fitted. <laughs> and I waited, and then I waited, like, will I see the dot, dot, dots replying? Is he replying? Thank God. And then within a few moments, you, I saw dot, dot, dot. Well, I mean, you know and 25 he, neighbors. I assume there would have been someone else who could have helped not you Not at it. that hour. Okay. I thought, who should I call? I thought, who should I call for this emergency? <laughs> you notice I didn't knock on your door when I had to take my daughter to the hospital for croup. No, that's a, that's Pat's job. Yeah. But unzipping it or zipping up a, you need whatever the right, it was. <laughs> yeah, you need the right tool for the job. You need the right neighbor for the emergency. I thought, who is up at this hour of the day that understands that I just got home from my gig and we'll understand with minimal explanation, that was you. <laughs> it's a very good lesson, yes, that you can't just know one neighbor. You kind of need a selection of neighbors. That, for, yes, you do. Yes. Yes. Right, I should probably know more than five in case I'm ever zipped into my parka, which is what happens sometimes. You get trapped in your parka? Well, the zip's broken. So, the zipper's broken? Yeah. Although, really, it's, it's at the front, of course, so you can solve it yourself. But. I've definitely heard people ask the question, what are neighbors for? Although, I think I'd always assumed it was rhetorical. In fact, it's a pretty good question now I come to think of it, although the answer is, of course, it depends on the neighbor. In Catherine's case, I'm for midnight zipper-related emergencies, while other neighbors are for important things. Speaking of, yeah, emergencies. So I had sort of a more extended emergency in terms of trying to stay on this street, period, right? So I was going through a change of life with the end of being married and trying to figure out where I would 
what would happen next to the kids and myself. And uh, some neighbors on this street heard what was going on. And I never asked for help in this case. They just came forward and offered. To do what? Oh, to uh, help me hold on to this house in the sense that I um, didn't need any money or anything, but I needed a co-signer to stay to keep the mortgage. So they heard about my situation and they shocked me with a kind offer. A particular neighbor shocked me with a kind offer to come forward and be that co-signer. And that's how I'm able to still be your neighbor to this day. Because they're still co-signing your mortgage now. Yes, they are. I'd like to take them off, but banks don't understand artists. And uh, even though I'm good for the money, they don't understand the profession. That's something I would only ask my parents. Well, I did that, but I guess it's self-evident what happened. Oh, sorry. I didn't mean <laughs> to bring that, that up. Out. <laughs> but just, just what an intimate thing, I guess it's, is what okay, I'm saying. Okay, yeah, sorry. It is a very intimate thing to uh, ask of anyone. And it was meaningful to me that such a big life affecting thing could be made possible for me by a neighbor by by just by a neighbor it is remarkable to me it will always be remarkable to me it, yeah so your moving. your attitude to the street is not it would really be much better if it had a fountain or something superficial like that you mean that we should have a giant like attraction Near well, us to make this street more interesting. I sort of want a cobbled area with a like a oh, you wish we fountain had a, a, and a, a courtyard and, yeah, and a coffee and a, like espresso store, maybe oh. a croissant truck or something. Yeah, that sounds nice. Yeah. Oh, good. Let's go talk to our city councilor. <laughs> That's a great idea. And maybe a kangaroos hopping by. No. Well, interesting. Yes, everyone's visions are a little different, aren't they? Catherine let me know which neighbors helped her out like that, although it's supposed to be a secret and, of course, it's none of my business. But now, when I walk down my street, I have a very different experience after my week of being nosy. I know, or I can check on my list to see, the names of all the people on my street. I have a sense of who's who, who knows who, and who's trying to avoid me in case I try to interview them. I know who I have things in common with, like that they played the piano, even if I haven't got to meet them yet and I may never meet them. My plan now is to retreat back into my former anonymity, except that I'm going to try to remember 10 people's names from now on. I also plan to hold on to a piece of knowledge. And that's the fact that so many neighbors on this street feel very lucky to be here, and they feel lucky even to have each other nearby. That knowledge is possibly more beautiful than a fountain. Although I think two fountains would still be better. Tom Howell. That duck was originally broadcast in May of 2018. Since then, Tom and his girlfriend, now wife, have remained in Toronto on the very same street. When I asked him why, he emailed me this very Tom answer. Why I stayed. We just chickened out and decided to live in Toronto for a few years while continuing to dream of a more beautiful existence in Montreal, which seems to be a pretty common state of mind in Toronto from what I can tell. Maybe when I'm older and braver, I'll be ready to try living there. 
Also, they just installed a big new fountain in downtown Toronto and everyone loves it, so I'm waiting to see if that is the beginning of a turning point in this city. RE Fountains. I hope so too, Tom. I hope so too. But Tom has put a date on their plans to move to Montreal. It's looking likely by the end of 2023. I wish you, Tom, a future full of fountains. And that, barring exceptions, was our final episode of The Dog Project. Starting next week, Duncan McHugh will be hosting a new documentary show in this time slot. It's going to have a bit more of a current affairs focus. So if you love those kinds of stories from us, then I think you'll love this new show. Now, some things that need to be said. I am super proud of this incredible team and the work we have done for the past seven years. I am so glad that we including our hundreds of contributing producers and Doc Project family, got to make the stuff we did, when we did, together. As I look back on the show, um, its broadcast looks like a map. Over the years, we have crisscrossed the country. We've gotten to know people in every corner. I've kind of thought of it as getting to know your neighbor who lives on the other side of the country than you. But my favorite description of this show actually came from one of you, a podcast listener who described it as excellent documentaries about real people navigating the challenges, joys, and interconnectedness of life. It is an extraordinary compliment to have your show explained to you by a listener better than you could have ever described it yourself. So, thanks to all of you for being a part of it. It has been an absolute blast. Now, there are some people I would like to speak for themselves. The Doc Project is and has been produced by Jennifer Warren, Allison Cook, Julia Poggle, Tanera McLean, Sherry Okeke, Kent Hoffman, Veronica Simmons, Tom Howell, Mira Bertwintonic, Kevin Ball, Joan Weber, Andrew Friesen, Callie Anderson, Mark Apollonio, Kristen Nelson, Aliza Siegel, Nahid Mustafa, Tanya Springer. Our star lineup of digital producers includes. Althea Manassen, Craig Dessen, Rick Nye, Ben Chen, Emily Cannell. I am AC Rowe. Thank you from all of us for listening. For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.